You're listening to Pixels in Flesh, an Anderson Dexter novel, written and read by M. Darusha Wayne. For more information, visit darusha.ca. Chapter 11 René Biagini lifted his glass high and said, loudly enough for the entire street to hear, Here's to the latest arrival at Emancipation Station. Glasses clinked, hoorays were cheered, and Dex stole a glance at Annabelle to make sure she wasn't too freaked out by all the people. She seemed to be holding her own, so he leaned over. Emancipation Station? What is he going on about? Beats me, she said. Renee stopped making sense about three rounds ago. She had been right about what she thought would happen when she gave her notice. That afternoon, she'd been escorted out of the Omnitrack building by two burly security officers who had waited outside their apartment door for her to change out of her uniform and hand it over to them. It was intended to be intimidating, but she and Dex had to hold back laughter throughout the experience, as if anyone would want to keep that dreadful uniform. After the goons had left, they walked over to Le Retro to meet Biagini and a few other people from the neighborhood for a party to celebrate Annabelle's new life. They had been at the bar for a few hours, so Dex was watching Annabelle closely to make sure they didn't overstay her comfort level. So you are alive after all. A body slid into the seat next to Dex and slipped an arm around his shoulder. It was Zeke Torres, one of the other residents of La Liberté, and the unofficial leader of the occasional jam sessions that were held in the building's courtyard. The rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated, Dex quoted, but Torres didn't seem to catch the reference as he laughed with gusto. We've got to get you back out for some tunes. Dex nodded. Rene had been right. He was nesting. Even though living with Annabelle meant carefully making sure he wasn't overcrowding her, he wanted to spend as much time with her as possible. It was almost as if he thought he could future-proof their relationship by sheer quantity of proximity. But it was time to start getting back to the rest of his life. Especially now. You have something planned? Torres shook his head. But all it takes is a decision, let's say two nights from now, around sundown. Dex found himself already looking forward to tuning his cheap mandolin. It's a date. Perfect. Torres leaned over for an awkward but sincere hug, then stood up, albeit in a slightly wobbly manner. I'll put up a notice and let the usual suspects know. It's going to be great. He barely stumbled at all as he made his way to the door and out into the night. Got a date with a theremin? Annabelle asked. Well, no, it's Zeke's theremin. I don't think he's into sharing, Dex said. But yeah, we organized a thing for a couple days from now. Annabelle smiled, her hand twitching as if to reach out toward Dex, then growing still and staying on her lap. The smile also stayed. She was doing okay, but Dex figured they wouldn't be out much longer. That's great, it's been too long. I know. His thought was cut off by a familiar figure walking toward their table. It was Jamie Aristo. Captain, it's nice to see you, they said, greeting Rene, then noticing Dex. Oh, hi, how's it going? Good, Dex said. I saw the report on the mess from the other day. I'm glad they didn't fire that clerk. Jamie nodded. I sure wish we had a lead, though. It would be nice to give whoever did that a taste of their own medicine. Dex could sense Annabelle looking at the newcomer, and turned to make the introductions. When he saw her face, though, he was surprised to see a glimmer of recognition. Uh, Annabelle, this is Jimmy Aristo. They work with Renee, part of the street team. She nodded, but Dex could almost see the gears turning in her mind. 
Jamie turned toward her, and a look of shock then confusion crossed their face. Then they smiled and said, Annabelle, it's good to see you again. How do you know Dex and the captain? Dex and I were together on the M-City squad, Annabelle said, and Dex felt his stomach drop out. Then she added, and we're partners off the clock, too. She took a breath and took Dex's hand, hanging on tightly. Dex knew she didn't want to touch him, to touch anyone or anything right now. But she did it anyway, making a point. God, how he loved that woman. Jamie grinned and said, that's fantastic. Is he the one? They stopped talking abruptly, seeming to realize that this line of questioning could go somewhere bad in a hurry, but Annabelle laughed and took the opportunity to retract her hand. Yeah, he's the one. She turned to look at him, and Dex forgot to breathe for a moment. He is most definitely the one. Jamie took the hint and made polite noises before beating a hasty retreat. Dex stood abruptly and announced, I am taking the guest of honor home now. None of you are invited. There were some snickers and grins, and Biagini looked like he had a balmo to impart, then decided against it. He just nodded silently and went back to his conversation. Thanks for helping me celebrate, everyone, Annabelle said as she stood. I have no idea how this is all going to work, but at least I know I've got you all behind me. All right, this lot has had enough of you for one day, Dex said gruffly. It's home time with you, young lady. Sir, yes, sir, Annabelle said in a tone of voice that did amazing things to Dex's insides. He waved at the table and they set off toward home. They walked for several blocks with nearly a meter gap between them, but by the time they were nearing the train station, Annabelle had moved closer. She curled her index finger around Dex's pinky, and a sigh escaped from between his lips. That was fun, she said, but I'm glad to be heading home. We could have held it in M City, Dex said. Everyone would have understood. I know, but they're out here, people, and it was an out here thing we were celebrating. It was okay, really, she squeezed his finger. I'm a lot more comfortable out here than I once was. She let Dex's finger slip out of her grasp, but stayed close by his side. So Jamie, Dex said. Yeah, that's a weird coincidence. Sure, niece isn't enormous, but it's not like you run into the same people every day. Hmm, Dex said. I mean, I haven't seen Jamie once since the clinic. I didn't even know they were part of Renee's team. Dex started to put it all together. He didn't want to pry, not into parts of Annabelle's past that she didn't want to share, but also into Jamie's private life, which was none of his business. He was curious, though. Were you two... close? Annabelle shook her head. Not really. It was just the two of us getting work done, so we only had each other for company. Getting your body reshaped isn't just expensive. It can be quite unpleasant at times. I mean, there are plenty of stims to keep the pain at bay, but it's still surgery, right? And there's the mental part of it, too. Sure, Dex said. When he had first met Annabelle in the physical world, she was still wearing the male body she'd been born into. She had moved so much of her life into the virtual world that most of the time she forgot that her physical body didn't match the way she saw herself. But shortly after they began to become closer, she decided to upgrade the meat, as she put it. Dex had always worried that she did it for him, that if he hadn't been so resistant to living mainly online, she wouldn't have felt like she had to change a part of herself that she'd never really cared about, a part of herself that Dex would have loved regardless of its particular configuration. But you know, when you're cooped up in a tiny clinic room for a couple of days with one other person, you can't help but get to know them a little. Jamie was my best friend for those two days, but once we got out, that was it. 
It's funny, we never even swapped contact info. Didn't even occur to me, and I guess they felt the same way. She stopped walking and turned to face Dex. It was like maybe we didn't want to be reminded of our old bodies, our old lives, of that point of transition in between what came before and what we have now. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it, and it was just a friendship of convenience that we had no need to continue. Anyway, she grabbed Dex's hand and started walking again. It was weird to see them again. Weird, but nice. I'm glad to see that things are going well for them. Yeah, Dex said. They're a good detective. Dex and Annabelle walked the rest of the way home in a companionable silence, but Dex couldn't help hearing Jamie's question in his mind. Is he the one? The one who what? The next morning, Dex was feeling the night before, but Annabelle wanted to get right into her new life as a freelancer. She'd already set up several meetings with potential clients, and intended to be in M-City for the whole day. She said she was perfectly happy to park at the table in the apartment, but after the previous night, Dex thought giving her a little space was the right thing to do. "'I want to go check on a few things,' he said. "'I'll be back in a few hours.' "'Okay,' she answered, her focus already shifted to an invisible point in the distance. She was a better multitasker than Dex was, but even she wasn't going to be much of a conversationalist when she was busy online, so Dex slipped out of the apartment. He walked over to the shop he'd investigated with Jamie, and he was impressed. There was no indication that anything had ever happened, although he didn't recognize the cashier working behind the counter. A bad feeling settled into his stomach, and he asked, Is Lisa working today? The clerk shook his head. She's on nights now. Dex smiled in relief, but couldn't help but wonder if moving her to the night shift was a punishment. He almost wished he'd never suggested that the attack might have been directed toward her. Did TechLid have audio monitoring equipment on the external part of the store? It wasn't outside the realm of possibility. There was surely video at least inside the store, which of course meant that they had more of a clue who had trashed the place than Jamie or Dex, but the files indicated that they hadn't even sent a low-level security officer around. Dex couldn't figure it out. Did head office care about the break-in or not? Did they blame Lisa? And if they did, why not fire her? There was something going on here that bothered him. It reminded him of the confusing events that happened in M-City a few years ago. That, based on the incident with the tea shop, would still be happening if the crypto package they'd helped to distribute wasn't keeping attackers at bay. Could it really be the same thing, only in reverse? Was he actually right? That there weren't any coincidences, and it was all part of a single grand strategy? Was Lisa's shop vandalized not by some individuals out to get her in trouble or kids looking for cheap stims and snacks, but by some kind of misguided activists trying to even the playing field? Did they think that they were the heroes of this story? You've been listening to Pixels and Flesh by M. Darusha Wayne. For more information about this and the other Anderson Dexter books, visit darusha.ca. Thanks for listening.